I just started doubling down on LinkedIn. I went and got uh, one of the best experts in the world to mentor me. He does Tony Robbins, Jay Abraham. So some really big names that, you know, they've got millions of people on LinkedIn that follow them. Hey friends, welcome back to the Black Diamond Podcast. This is your host, Eric Malzone. And this is the show where I have the absolute pleasure of interviewing entrepreneurs, founders, change makers, and people who are just creatively leading the way through innovation. And it's not only about successes and, and great stories, because you'll definitely get those, but it's also about the personal challenges and the vulnerability that we face along the way. So this show is brought to you by Level 5 Mentors, helping entrepreneurs and founders achieve the highest levels of freedom in five different categories, time, money, relationships, health, and purpose. And if you want to find out how you're doing in those five categories, we got you covered. We got a survey for that. Just go to level5mentors.com forward slash survey, and you can take the free entrepreneurial survey and see how you're doing in each category and see where you have room for improvement because, hey, we can always be improving. So welcome to the show. Let's get on to it. Higgins, welcome to the show, my friend. Great to be here, Eric. Yeah, great to have you. I uh, was just on your podcast, just recorded 24 hours ago, exactly. So <laughs> I feel like I know you really well, man. It's been, uh, it's been a lot of fun talking to you so far. I'm excited to get you on this show, talk about you, your background, your story as an entrepreneur. I know you've got some really interesting backgrounds, some, some challenges you've overcome and, and what you do do with build, live, give is, is really exciting. And it really touches a lot of, uh, heartstrings. I think if, if you're an entrepreneur and someone who, you know, has, has values like we do. So Paul, um, thank you in advance for coming on the show. Uh, really excited to have you. Yeah, no, like I said, um, I loved having you on my show and it's not often that I speak to the same person at 6 a.m. twice, twice <laughs> yeah, in a row. So I feel, I feel privileged. Thank you for getting up early for me <laughs> twice. Uh, so, Paul, let's um, let's get into a little bit of your background. You're, you're currently um, you're in Melbourne, Australia, right? Yes. Yeah. And give us some some insights as to your entrepreneurial journey. How did you how did you get to where you are now? What was the impetus for build, live, give? Yeah, give us give us the goods, man. Yeah, look, I'm sure you know everyone listening now. You've got some you know a pivotal moment in your life that sort of you know changes your direction. And and for me, it was aged 18. Um, you know, I walked out of a, a doctor's clinic and looked at my mum and yeah, told her that I've just been tested and have the same in, inherited condition that, you know, her father died of 40 and she was 15. Um, she had a massive heart attack from, and yeah, we sort of looked at each other in the eye and said, unfortunately, it's uh, it's another one in the family. So uh, it's called polycystic kidney disease. And in short, it just grows uh, cysts in organs. So I have them in the kidney and the liver. Mm. And uh, yeah, at that very moment, I thought, well, look, you know, I've seen a lot of my family pass from this. Uh, I know that it's going to change my life, but you know what? I'm just going to focus on the things that I can control. And what I can control 
was sort of you know three key areas. I love my sport, I love my work, and I love my health. Mm-hmm. So from that very moment, I decided just to be as high performing as possible in those three areas, so that you know I could can take as much control of my life as possible. And uh, yeah, that was sort of like the pivotal moment that really changed my entrepreneurial journey. And I suppose my life was uh, was that day in um, 1988. What was that? What sport did you play? So I was a yeah. So I was a sport that not many Americans can under understand. Well, there's two. There's Australian Football League, which AFL, and I I I didn't really uh, play that. But the other was cricket. Yeah. Right. So, um, you know, I know cricket's not huge in the in the US, but I played cricket. I played at a, a very high standard, and uh, that was sort of you know what I threw all my time and effort in and uh and also a little bit of golf which was you know in the off season but yeah that's the key sport that i played yeah i mean cricket uh i, I believe was it last year or the year before i think the world championship had something like a billion viewers on tv a billion so it may be behind the united states but globally it's pretty strong yeah well what will soon be the number one population in the world which is India, yeah. uh, is just fanatical about cricket. So, you know, it, it, the sport will always be financially viable because you've got, I don't know, you know, I've, I think what China's 1.7 billion, I don't know, India, I suppose, is not far behind that. And, you know, 90% of those people love cricket. So, yeah, the sport <laughs> is, uh, is very healthy when you've got an audience like that. Yeah, that's crazy. So walk me back, man. When you're when you're 18, you got this diagnosis. What what did the doctor tell you? What was the what what was the prognosis? What did they tell you what to expect? Well, yeah, well, bring me back to that moment. Yeah, well, they basically said, look, you know, we don't know how fast this is going to happen, right? Mm. So, you know, the, the cysts will grow at their own speed. So there's definitely some things that you need to control. And the number one for me was blood pressure you know so i was 18 and i had i think i was 180 over 120 hmm. um so you know you meant to be your age plus what was it age plus 20 something like that so you know 180 over 120 is like a heart attack waiting to happen and that's what happened to mum she she didn't know about the condition as much it was sort of a in the family it was a bit of a a mystery because you know a father died um they knew he had kidney disease, but he, he, in the records, it was always he died of a heart attack. And that's what happens. You know, you, the, um, the blood pressure caused by the kidney not being able to regulate your blood pressure causes you to have a heart attack. So it was like all these people in the family had had a heart attack, but they didn't really understand. So when mum had a massive heart attack, I think she was around uh, in her early 40s, then we sort of backtracked and realized, ah, okay. And that's when I got tested. And um, yeah, the doctor said, look, you just got to control your blood pressure and just try to live as normal life as possible. And at some point you're going to have kidney failure. We don't know when, um, but you know, so, you know, it was a bit tough as an 18 year old because, you know, that's party time, right? So, you know, so you got, you know, you're always in two minds, but uh, look, I partied hard like everyone else. I thought oh, I'll do that. <laughs> but, you know, other things, like I said, I really focused on, well, look, these are things. And they said, look, these are the things to absolutely um, the best thing that will help you long term. And I did those and, uh, you know, 
we can sort of talk about it later, but in 2018, I basically was, you know, seconds from, from passing. I had an operation to remove one of the kidneys, which was like the size of a basketball. And, wow. um, yeah, went, it went south. It didn't, didn't go well. And when I got out of that in intensive care, the surgeon came in and said, you know, look, to be honest, you know, I made a split second decision, which, you know, really helped. But also if you hadn't have been as fit and healthy for a person in your condition, uh, you would not have pulled through, we would not be having this conversation. So, uh, yeah, all that hard work that I've done for so many years, I uh, did pay off in 2018. Wow. Yeah. I would imagine getting, uh, God, I just put myself in your shoes at 18 and reflecting on what type of person I was. And just, you, you think you're invincible at that age, right? You just, and, and then now having this diagnosis kind of hanging over your head, um, and probably creating some sort of sense of urgency as well. Right. Yeah, it did. And, and like I said, it just meant I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to really focus on what I can control, right? This, this thing I can't, but what can I? And, uh, you know, that's what led me to, like I said, high performance in sport and then also career. Like I went and worked for, you know, one of the best companies in the world, Coca-Cola and, you know, they were high performing and it just, you know, worked really well. And I, yeah, I loved what I did and I was just constantly learning and, you know, that, was also, you know, so I was learning, uh, you know, how to run a, a business because Coke now isn't, you know, the best product in the world, you know, it's sugar in a can, but the way they run the business was just exceptional. So I learned that. And then I also did a lot of other personal development so that, you know, I could be the best person I could. And then I didn't want my condition to define me. I wanted to be like me and, and, and do the things that I did. And that's sort of what led me down the path of being an entrepreneur. Yeah. Interesting. So, so you had this catalyst, right? You're 18 and then you started focusing on your career. Walk us down. Like what, what was, you started working at Coca-Cola first or what, what were some of the first steps you took in your business life? Yeah. Well, um, one of the reasons I worked at Coca-Cola was because of my dad, but it was a little strange in the fact that they, I worked there all through, uh, university, you know, I had every job, uh, part-time job you can think of which was great and they said you'll never get a job here because your father works here I said that's cool that's cool mm. and then I left uh, uni after doing two degrees I did an accounting degree the economy was pretty bad so I went back and did a marketing degree so I had two uh, bachelors of business in you know in four and a half years and um, basically they said look we're desperate for reps um, just do it for six weeks until you find out, you know, who you want to go and work for. And six weeks ended up turning into 18 years. <laughs> and what were, what were all the roles that you did at Coca-Cola? What were the responsibilities and things you looked over? Yeah, look, I, I started as a sales rep on the road. I did about, uh, I don't know, 50,000 miles in the first year. Mm. And uh, quick was quickly promoted. I, I realized um, it was about the time mobile phones came out. And I realized, I asked the company if I could get a mobile phone and they said no. And I thought, okay, well, what I'll do is I'll get a mobile phone and I'll get my customers to call me when the stock arrives, right? Because the quicker you put up the stock, the quicker, you know, you can sell it. So lo and behold, um, you know, I, I basically smashed all the targets and people thought I was cheating the system. You know, it, there's all this thing, you know, you know, his dad's, because of his dad, he's getting the results. But I was just really smart and used technology back then to, 
to um, to bring forward sales. And uh, so I got quickly promoted. Then I was prom- the youngest uh, district sales person after that. Then I went into account management. I, I managed the second largest retailer in Australia at a very young age. And then I just sort of kept going up into sales. And then I sort of became the entrepreneur. So anything that I couldn't really fix, I was thrown. So uh, I was thrown into, um, it's called hotels, restaurants, cafes, Horica. So, it, you know, our brand had sort of disappeared. Um, what do you call it in America where you've got um, soft drink on tap or soda pop on tap? Yeah, you know, I guess. You go behind a-, a bar and you, you know, you get it served and you don't see what it is. Yeah, I want to say draft because I drink so much beer, but I don't think draft cola is the right thing. Maybe it is. Yeah, well, look at, you know, hopefully everyone listening can get the image of, you know, you're basically no one knows whether it's Pepsi or Coke, no one knows, right? Because you just poured something in a glass and it's put on the table uh, with a bit of alcohol in it. So short story, I sent to Europe, find best practice, brought back and and completely um, changed that industry. And that led into us actually getting into alcohol and selling alcohol. So it turned into a whole different business unit. So Mm. I did that. I started a... A juice business, uh, acquired some businesses, started it uh, from scratch in two years, had over $300 million in, in turnover in, in that business. So, you know, I was just always thrown at things that, look, no one else can do this. Just send Paul and I was able to pick whatever the, the squad that I wanted. So I'd pick, you know, five or six of the best young talent and we'd just go and solve incredibly complex problems uh, really effectively. And, um, yeah, that's basically what I did. I ended up taking a bit more of a, a, a um, well, it was a strategic turnover of a, of a business unit and I ended up being a marketing director of a, of a $700 million, uh, business unit was my last career. Um, and the, the nutshell was um, I was offered the job one night. The next morning it was retracted. And I said, well, you know, just, give, you know, this is easy, guys. Just give me a redundancy and... Um, I'd be happy to to leave. And they said, no, you're too good for redundancy. So we'll just find you a job that can just, you know, wade water before you, uh, you we, we find what you really want to do. And I said, that's not for me. So in 2011, I, I um, jumped ship into my own business. Yeah. Okay. So that was, I was going to ask, what was the impetus for you leaving such a, you know, unique situation within a, such a big brand? So tell me about that in 2011. What was, what was the next step? Yeah, so um, basically my specialist at that time had said, look, you know, you're working ridiculous hours, you're traveling a lot, and if you continue this, you know, we don't, you know, once again, we can't predict exactly when your kidneys are going to fail, but it's going to be sooner than later and you probably won't see your grandkids. So uh, that was the real impetus for me leaving, but, you know, the decision at Coke and and at that stage, you know, I was definitely not a corporate guy anymore, right? I, I was, yeah, I, I was trying to look for what I did. So basically I uh, thought, well, what do I love doing at that time? I was coaching people, mentoring people. So that's what I did. I sort of left, became a coach and mentor to corporates, then realized that I actually much rather s- smaller businesses. So I, I pivoted uh, to, to mentoring small business, saw that there was two gaps for them that I learned at Coke. So one was, you know, their time. So I set up a outsourcing company out of the Philippines and then the other was technology. They just weren't levering, leveraging technology. So I set up a tech consulting business as well. And that's what sort of kept me busy up until around 2016. 
Wow. So 2011 through 2016, uh, working with small businesses, was there any particular niche or vertical that you found was a sweet spot for you? Yeah, look, uh, for me, it was um, progressive agencies is what I worked with the most. So, you know, they were uh, service-based businesses mm-hmm. and they, you know, really saw the value of technology, but they just hadn't implemented in their business and they were high performing. So if you go back to my background, like I said, I, I really wanted to be high performing in everything I do. So I wanted to work with high performing people and a lot of high performing people, you know, they just need to get out of the road of themselves sometimes. So that was my job. It was to come in and say, hang on, you're doing all this stuff you shouldn't be doing. So let's get outsourced team to support you in that and build your team. And then, you know, let's get some technology so that you can tap into that team. And that's effective what I did to, to help them uh, grow and scale. Nice. So 2016, what changed there? Yeah. So my kidney function had uh, really declined quickly. Hmm. and um, I sort of had to set up for the inevitable. It was like, okay, you're going to have kidney failure, so it's getting serious. So wow. 2016, I basically took my family on an eight-week uh, holiday to Europe, and I thought, well, what can I do in eight weeks to still earn some income, still add some value to people? So uh, I set up a, a mastermind, and I'd been – so I went and – joined a mastermind, a guy called James Shramko in Australia, who's uh, a brilliant what, it, what he does. I looked at all his model and then he and I basically built the model that I wanted to do. So, uh, so I ran the mastermind for eight weeks in Europe. It was fantastic and that sort of continued. And, you know, I still had the tech consulting business on the side uh, that a business partner of mine, Scott Gallatly, ran. And uh, he did a brilliant job. He was, you know, younger than me, very enthusiastic. So he he ran the day to day, and I just sort of did the strategy uh, with him. So that's what happened to really help me manage until. Uh, so they say ten percent is basically, um, you know, time for either dialysis or a, a transplant. And two thousand sixteen, I was about twenty percent. So between 2016 and November 2018, I just managed myself to, to get down to, I think 6% was the, uh, the time where I said, hang on, guys, I just can't handle, um, I just can't handle this anymore. You've, uh, we've got to do something. Hmm. And what was that something? So, yeah, something was basically removing the kidney to put another one in. So um, I, my wife was... Uh, was very brave and she went forward and it's about um it's about a three-month testing regime in australia to see if you can qualify as a donor it's it's in it's actually a great process because you know it's the the three-month medical basically and uh unfortunately she's got hypertension inherited hypertension and that sort of they said look it's touch and go but they said also when you've you know you have a kidney transplant neither you can drive for six weeks blah 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 i was like hang on this is all too hard and uh out of the blue uh, my best mate stepped forward and said well why don't i have a test and uh yeah he turned out to be uh, a brilliant match and in february 2019 uh, we i had the transplant i've been uh you know the first six months was a bit of a hiccup but post that i've been uh, been absolutely brilliant Wow. So that's less than a year and a half ago. Yeah. 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 yeah and then so, I just throw a little pandemic in the mix, right? Just a little bit of extra stress. 
<laughs> yeah, well, it's a bit unfortunate because um, the quick story, when you know, Dad worked at Coke, as I said, and in 1988, when I found out about my condition, was the same year that Mum and Dad said, well, look, we want a, a sea change, so we want to move down to the coast. And uh, it was my last year of school. They said, do you want to do it? And I suppose me being, you know, high-performing risk-taker, yep, okay, let's do it. And didn't have any friends. So I said to Dad, give me some golf tickets so I can basically buy myself some friends. The first ticket I handed out was to Brendan. Uh, that was back in 1988. And in 1999, he was uh, one of my groomsmen. I had my brother as best man, but he's one of my groomsmen. And uh, a day before the the wedding, he got we were out about uh, two kilometres maybe offshore. And he said, I just don't have the strength to get back in. And um, and actually, it was probably one. Like, you know how everyone always doubles the story? So mm. let's say it was one kilometre, which is, I don't know how many uh, uh, miles. But um, he he said, I just can't get back in. You know, you just, that, that's it. It's all over. And I'm like, mate, I can't find another groomsman, you know. Mm. Could have given me a bit more notice than that. <laughs> Than the day before so anyway I, I basically got him in and look you know he says i saved his life whether i did or not but yeah he turned the favor in uh, 2019 so what is it uh to, to be a you know a, a kidney donor what is uh what do you need is it have to be the same blood type or what what is it what does it take look, blood type is less important but I, i'm okay. i'm very lucky that i'm um uh, AB positive, which is the rarest blood type in the world, but it's basically the universal uh, recipient. So I can only take a kidney from anyone, right? It's just the, it, there's, there's, they give you a score out of six and it's just how well matched you are to certain indicators. Now we were, you know, they basically took me off the register and said, you know, if Brendan goes through with this, you will not find a better kidney on the register. So it, I was just very fortunate to have, uh, yeah, Brendan, like he, he was like a sibling um, in, in the matching state. So I was just very fortunate. Wow. Wow, Paul. Um, I'm, glad, I'm glad you're doing well. So let's, uh, let's talk about the current state of things. You know, what, what are you doing now? What is, uh, what is Bill Live Give all about? Who are you working with? Who are you serving? What are you doing? Yeah, so as I said, you know, I, I basically worked right through. So, you know, if you think back when I left in um, 2011, I'd set up a bit. I always thought I've got to set up a business to run from a hospital bed. And that's basically what I did. So, you know, come uh, 2018, I went on dialysis for four months and I, you know, wrote a book, but I also just continued to um, run my mastermind. So, so it was so great. Hold up, hold up. You wrote a book. <laughs> Just, well, what else do you do when you sit on a glazed over that? Well, what else do you do when you sit on a machine for four and a half hours, three times a week, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, it's like, good. You got to do something. <laughs> so, so tell me what. Uh, tell me about the book. Yeah, so uh, it's called Build, Live, Give. Uh, not creative with names, but it's just you know, it's it's me giving my back engineered story of how to build your own business mm. and. Um, yeah. And, and for the reasons to live a great life and to give back. So I have a five-step methodology I go through, and it's a very practical book. It's like, you know, these are the mistakes that I made and I, I constantly see when I've mentored. Here's 
some options to get out of those. So yeah, that's what the book was. And that book has sort of turned into my, the business model that I, I use to mentor people. It's, you know, the key buckets is, uh, is, you know, is getting your business model right, then sales focus, and then high performing team. So they're sort of the key elements that are in the book. And that's how I, I help people today. Okay. Okay. So the, so go, can you get give, give us like a high level view of the five steps again? Can I review what those are? Yeah, yeah. So the first one is personal effectiveness because you are your business. Yep. So, you know, obviously I have a health bent. So I want people to make sure they're as healthy as they can be uh, physically and mentally and also that they're using their time as best they can. So once again, we look at, you know, getting them a virtual assistant, the technology to make sure that they've got the mental capacity to actually change their business, right? Because it's not going to change by itself and, and they need them. So we get rid of basically all the stuff they shouldn't do. Then ideal client. So making sure that they absolutely know their ideal client. Because I go to most people's LinkedIn profile. I'm like, I've got no idea who you serve. Mm. And if you can't easily sum that up for someone in, in two minutes, you know, that's a huge lost opportunity. Then business model. So, you know, I, I really like to have a simple business model that works in your favor to fund your lifestyle. So I love subscription or retainer-based business models. And I really look at how can we simplify this model so you don't have to have a whole lot of moving parts. Then sales focus, I go into mindset, skills and systems under sales focus. And, um, you know, the big one there is around LinkedIn, which we can circle back to. And then high-performing team, you know, how do you build this high-performing team? And it's both direct employees, but it's also specialists. Because I don't know about you, Eric, and people listening, but I got burnt so many times and I left corporate by just trusting people on they said, you know, I'm an expert in this, this is what I do, and unfortunately they didn't deliver. And back yeah. in Coke, that didn't happen, right? You dealt with the best people in the world. So when they said they were going to do something, they did it. But I just got burnt so many times. So what I've got is I've got 1,800 people globally where I've met them, spoken to them, and know exactly what their expertise is. And I've sort of nailed that down to about 400 that are working for our community. So if you want someone to fill a gap that you're not skilled in or you shouldn't be doing, basically we do that. Yeah, that's great. And it's, it is it is hard as a small business owner to find qualified you know, contractor specialist help, right? Um, you know, and we talked about LinkedIn. I'm, I'm, I have a lot of questions because I'm on LinkedIn quite a bit. And man, I mean, the amount of automated message and how many people are agencies and specialists and lead generation, you know, uh, building business. It's just, there's just a lot of people out there claiming a lot of things and it's, it's hard to, you know, that's why everything we do is referral based because I don't, I don't trust uh, a lot of things anymore because I, like you have probably been burnt more than once. So it's, yeah, it's a really great, I love that formula, man. It's really great. Uh, it's nice to have structure, uh, you know, like that as you get into it. So, so give us more insights about Bill, you know, you have this book, uh, you, you, you start working with people in mastermind. What give us, what does the, the business look like now? Yeah. So if, if I look at, so let's say May, 2019 was when I basically stopped being in hospital. So I had complications like everyone does, nothing major. When you have a transplant, you never want to hear the R word. And that's 
excuse me, rejection. Actually, probably in life, you never want to hear it, but especially yeah. as a transplant. So I never got to that degree, but I had multiple operations and blah, blah, blah. Um, but my doctor said, okay, you can go back to work sort of full time. I'm like, what do you mean? I've been working 16 hours a day in the <laughs> hospital. But they're like, yeah, no, no, no. You, you could actually, you know, the, their view was you can go back to physical work. I'm like, you know, hey, whether it's a hospital or, or home, it's no different. But anyway, so I thought, well, I've got to market myself now. I can't. I was nearly using my health a little bit as a as a reason not to market myself, but also because you know, nearly passing in 2018, I'm like, I just don't want to let anyone down. So I don't want to build up all these people and all these clients and then not be able to, to actually deliver. So um, I just started doubling down on LinkedIn. I went and got uh, one of the best experts in the world to mentor me. He does Tony Robbins, Jay Abraham. So some really big names that, you know, they've got millions of people on LinkedIn that follow them. And I just said, look, in a couple of episodes tell or a couple of sessions, just give me it all. He heard about my story. And then, you know, he, he basically gave me more than he probably should have, but he's a very kind hearted person. And I just started running it myself. And it was really um, three key things that I focused on. So one was profile. So like I said before, you just got to have your profile nailed. And I actually got um, blgdownload.com is all my secrets uh, in a, a simple download on how to tweak your profile and go have a look at mine as well. So mine is just Paul Higgins mentoring and you'll see, you know, I practice what I preach. So that's, that's the first thing. Then the next thing was posting, right? And you just got to give valuable content. Uh, if someone comes to your profile, you know, they want to know you're an expert. They want to know you're an authority, especially if you're a service-based uh, business. So, you know, we just started um, posting and there's an algorithm and their algorithm is pretty simple because LinkedIn want great content on LinkedIn because they make money out of selling ads, right? So the more content and the more people on the platform, the better that that helps them financially. And the better it is for us because people get to see what we do and we can add value. So it works hand in hand and it's basically 50, 20, 60. So you, you effectively want 50 likes, 20 comments in the first hour. And then LinkedIn goes, Hey, this is great content to share. So we should share it to some more people. And, you know, we've got a whole methodology around then how do you get it shared to the people that you want to serve? But uh, that's the second one. And then the third one is, around um, possibilities, as I call it, which is reaching out to people, your ideal clients, and tapping them on the shoulder. Yeah, that's interesting. So I guess, the, and this is probably part of, of what you teach people, but getting those, those initial likes and comments, that, that's, that's, the, that's the challenge, right? How do you get the eyeballs? Yeah, and look, there is uh, there's some... You know, some uh, black hat ways of doing that, some ninja ways of doing it. So, you know, we don't talk publicly about it, but, you know, it's there's a, a way that you can get the 50. But the most important thing is you really can't achieve great success on LinkedIn. If, if you're a, a Tony Robbins, et cetera, you know, yes, you've got a huge following. But if, if you know, if you're someone that loves what you're doing, but you're not spending, you know, millions of dollars on Facebook ads to drive traffic to you, you know, you want to post organically and you want to get some people, you know, you've got to do it as a group. You can't do it as an individual. It just doesn't work. So 
the, the core to getting the 50, 20, 60 is to basically be in a, a peer group that supports each other. And um, that's, you know, I run one with about 70 people globally. And, um, you know, that's the way that you help each other give better content or give, but yeah, better content out to, to more people that would love to work with you. Yeah. I mean, LinkedIn is, is really a, a treasure trove. I mean, there's, I think the, you know, as I alluded to earlier in our conversation, the automated outreach is a bit overdone now. I think people can, you know, take a, you know, maybe a, it, it's easy to see through for most people. Yes. Right. Um, but having genuine outreach, uh, works really well. I mean, um, I've had a lot, I've got, ton of great podcast interviews and, and clients and you know people are, are are really seeking out genuine conversations and i think that's that's the beauty of it but you know if you're sending out thousands of automated emails i guess it's just a numbers game it's not the way i like to do things but um yeah yeah it's it's uh it's a really powerful i mean as opposed to do you use any other social media platforms no, look, I, I get it, my team to repurpose. So yes, mm. I'm, you know, I've got a Facebook page. Yes, I've got an Instagram account. But, you know, really LinkedIn is what I've doubled down on. Um, you know, it's it's where B2B service-based businesses do, you know, they're there, they buy from there. And it's got more of a, a buying uh, mentality to it. But it also is, you know, like, I, you know, I just read some brilliant content and, and learn so much on LinkedIn. Whereas I find the other profile, uh, the other platforms, I, I don't get that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's awesome, man. So tell me how, when you work with people on LinkedIn, what, what, what is, where are the qualities? What does that look like? You mentioned you had a group of about 70 people. Is it, you get people all set up, you get their profile cleaned up, I would imagine. Then you get them integrated into this group and what is, what, it, yeah. Like what's the time commitment to be in something like this, the financial commitment, what does that look like? Yeah, so look, the, the time commitment uh, to write a good post, the, the great thing is that it's, you know, 1,300 char characters maximum, right? So for most people go, oh, you know, I don't like putting out content, you know, it's hard to find someone to write on my voice, et cetera. It's like, well, this is easy. What you do is all your customer conversations that you're having and the problems you're solving, you just write 1,300 characters about it, yeah. right? So you, you've got plenty of ideas. We help you structure the content and, you know, get a content strategy in place. But ultimately, you know, it's about, I take 20 minutes to write a post. And then in our group, you uh, comment on other people's uh, posts. And that's around about a 30 minute exercise. And we do it three times a week. Hmm. And then after that, you've got, you know, the follow up because people that like and comment on your post, you follow up on them and people, that uh, then we do do some outreach as well. So that, you know, really depends, but it's not a huge time commitment. We, because we, you know, what's taken me, you know, 12 months, uh, I, I put a round figure, I, I back engineered my team's time and my time, but it was about three quarters of a million dollars I've invested in this to, to get it to where it is. And people can just walk in and get that value straight away. So, um, you know, and yeah, it's not a huge time, time commitment, but the big one, and you said it so well is just, you know, 
it, it, it's especially in, you know, the time we're in at the moment with COVID, you, you just got to be very uh, natural. And we have some great scripts that we know that work, but then we tailor that for you. And yes, there is some automation out there that can help, but we also think, you know, a virtual assistant can do most of the heavy lifting for you. And then you're just having the, the sales conversations. Yeah. Yeah. I found, you know, too, when I, when I give dedicated time to LinkedIn, when I really set aside time and be intentional with it, I always get something back. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's like I said, it's really not that difficult to go out there and, and propose something. One of the things that you and I have talked about on your podcast too, on the build Live give podcast was that having a podcast is a great way to lead with value. And I think, um, if we can look at any type of outreach and you've done sales, I've, done sales. Um, you know, one thing that people tend to miss over is that you don't just go ask for an appointment, you know, or you don't just go, Hey, listen to me and, and everything that I do great and how I could help you in your business. No, you start with value. You, you start with your, your hand extended and, and offering something that's valuable. And for you and me, we found out that, you know, being, uh, having a podcast is, is a really powerful thing. And it's one of the reasons that I created the whole podcast sales system is because it's a great to start a conversation by saying, Hey, I would love to highlight you potentially on, on my podcast and talk about your business, give you a great piece of content, you know, um, expose you to my audience, you know, what, what a better way to start a relationships. Right. And do you find that you do you, I would imagine that part of what you do on LinkedIn is starting with, with value. Uh, completely. I think, uh, you know, the service you provide is fantastic because I call it the bridge. Mm. And so a lot of people, you know, so I was fortunate, you know, and from that May to December period, I had a million views and gained 112 new clients. Wow. Right? But the key thing that I got right was the bridge between, you know, someone likes and comments on your posts, you connect, you understand what their focus is, but then how do you get them to a sales call? right where you can really understand what they need and see if you can solve it and to me that's the bridge and i think a podcast is one of the best ways to to bridge because exactly what you said you're giving them value you're actually understanding like for me if i do a half an hour podcast with someone it's like yesterday with you i I just feel like i know you know i know you as a person um and so that's a brilliant way to get to know someone and then you can understand how you help them. And even if they're not the right fit to be on your podcast, because you can effectively, you know, go and um, have a quick call with them to work out whether they are the right fit and whether the podcast can give them the value they want. If they're not, at least you then can give them other options, right, and how you can help them. So I think a, a podcast is a brilliant way to bridge that gap. And, you know, it might be... Um, a white paper that you're doing it might be a magazine that you're putting out but you know it's you know how can you add value to someone that is not just hey let's jump on a call so i can sell it to you yes yes you summed up really well so you know as you as you continue on your entrepreneurial journey and obviously you you've you've hit some, some health struggles along the way, but you know, in, in the day to day and your current status within your business, what, what do you think is one of the biggest personal challenges you have as an entrepreneur? Yeah, well, look, I think the biggest personal challenge I had, so going through the transplant, everything was the other business that I had with, um, with Scott. So like I said, we're a tech consulting agency in, 
uh, or tech consulting company into agencies. And we were really struggling, uh, to be honest. So we uh, picked a platform uh, that was owned by one of the biggest software companies in the world. So it was acquired by one of the biggest software companies in the world. And then they just did nothing with it. So, you know, we picked a horse that just turned out to be the right horse that was bought by the wrong owner. Mm. And uh, that really destroyed um, our revenue. We basically had a whole team in the Philippines set up for that purpose and it just sort of went overnight. And um, that was probably one of the lowest points because, yeah, there was a lot of people that we, you know, loved having in our team. We loved servicing the clients. We thought the product was really good and it was just basically taken away from us. So um, we basically did a pivot. We found some new partners. And uh, I've got to say that the highest point was in, you know, last year, late last year, we actually uh, sold the business to one of the biggest Google partners in Australia and um, ended up doing really well. But at times there, it was so stressful because, you know, Scott, it was his sole income. He had two young children. And, you know, for him, I really felt for him because it, it he was the guy running the business and, it just wasn't working well and I felt guilty because I was the one setting the strategy and I basically picked the wrong strategy or, you know, the strategy got disrupted by something I just didn't see coming. And, um, yeah, thankfully we turned it around and it was, ended up being a huge success. Yeah, good for you, man. Well, let, me, let me ask you this because, you, you know, you and I do similar things. We help entrepreneurs and business owners grow. Uh, what do you think is one of the most consistent struggles or uh, sticking points that that business owners and entrepreneurs have when you work with them? Look, I think one of the biggest ones is just getting their marketing right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you know, for me, I always, I love the saying, you can't, it's hard to see the uh, label from within the jar, right? <laughs> right, sure. And, and I think, you know, marketing yourself, I think is one of the hardest things that I've ever tried to do. You know, I've marketed, you know, billion dollar brands, et cetera, but marketing yourself, God, that's hard. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people try to do that themselves. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges. So, um, you know, I myself recently just um, got someone to help me launch my personal brand and I'm doing some changes because you know, I'm great at what I do, but I wasn't always making it easy for people to buy from me because I was in my own head, right? I knew my product so well. I knew I knew what it was going to deliver, but, but I sort of turned into more features than benefits. And I needed someone to come and just tidy up the message and just make it easy. So I think that's a mistake people make. Um, so once they fix that, then they get a whole lot of volume and, you know, the world changes. I think the next one down the path is just, you know, how do they get themselves out of sales because they're, you know, the only person that can really generate sales and, you know, coming from someone that, you know, like, yeah, life doesn't always, uh, hand you the best cards in life. You know, you just got to be prepared. Like, you know, you don't want to be on a holiday and all you're doing is thinking about sales or someone can't get to you for a sales call they want your service but they can't get to you because there's a two-week backlog because you're the only person selling so i think that's the next one and the other one is the operations is the the building that team you know how do you let go of stuff that you shouldn't be doing i think you know those three things and they all follow and seek you know natural sequence i think are the biggest um barriers to to growth that i see 
Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. What about what about mindset for entrepreneurs? Do you see any uh, any common themes there? Look, you know, most of the clients that I work with uh, are ex-corporate, mm. right? So, mm-hmm. you know, that one of the biggest mindset changes is that you know, corporate is very much about you know, you know, uh, lots of meetings, lots of deliberations, you know, lots of passing the buck, you know, a whole lot of things. So when they come into their own business, they've really got to reinvent their mindset is to think nearly the opposite to what they were taught in corporate. You know, like, you know, there's some fundamentals which are fantastic, but running your own business is, you know, is very different. And I think that's some of the mindset changes that I see people really struggle with. I think the other big mindset one is just, you know, people believing in themselves. I think, you know, we all still believe that you know what's the right for us to be helping other people or you know you know what gives me the right to help other people and i think once you get really clear on your marketing message your sales process and your operations well then you can have a lot more confidence to be able to get people a result yeah good old-fashioned good old-fashioned imposter syndrome Right. Yeah, yeah, it exactly. happens at every, at every level. Um, so, you know, this is this is kind of the last topic I always love to. I'm, you know, both Ken and I, my business partner, and, and most of the people within our community at level five are we're highly collaborative. We're always looking for ways to help with each other, and you know, we don't see people as competition. We see them as you know colleagues and and potentially opportunities to partner down the road. So, with that spirit in mind, what, what's what's the biggest need that you have within your business uh, at this point, being July twenty second, twenty twenty? Yeah, look, uh, great question. Um, and like I said, you know, I'm, I'm like you and Ken. I've got a, a huge amount of specialists that um, I refer to other people. But probably my greatest need at the moment is social media. Mm-hmm. I think you know, I talked about LinkedIn. I'm, I'm, you know, I've got that now. But it's like, how do I repurpose? So. With my podcast, you know, I, I know I should be doing certain things to get more value out of my podcast to help more people, but I just don't have someone in my team that's that's doing that. So I think that's social media and that sort of bleeds into content. Like, you know, I think, uh, okay, you know, I've got it in my diary that I'm going to go and write my, um, uh, you know, I've got to present an event, a virtual event. So I've got to go and write all the copy for the event, you know, you know, that sort of stuff at the moment, those two things, which is nearly a combined role of the two things that I'm missing in my team at the moment. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I think I have, uh, I think I have someone for you. So we'll talk offline, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Paul, as we wrap up, give us, give us the goods, man. Where, where can people find you? Where can they get more? You had a great um, offering that you, that you laid out there at uh blgdownload.com anything else you'd like to share with the audience yeah so that's where you can get some real killer tips on your on your profile like i said have a look at mine as well Uh, in the future people listening to this in the future i'll have a personal site called paulhigginsmentoring.com which will be set up um uh, soon and then the the real keys to you know getting people to like comment and actually you being seen as an authority on LinkedIn and most importantly, taking that authority and turning it into to clients, i.e. people you help, you can just go to blgclick.com and it's a 27-minute free pre-recorded masterclass and it just shows you behind the curtains of exactly 
uh, what you can do. So you can take that and implement it yourself, or you've got the choice to come and join us in the community and fast track that. Right on. Paul, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure. And uh, I hope you're an early bird. Are you, do you normally get up this early? Yeah, right. I do. Okay, I'm good. normally about a 5.30, 5.30 start. Okay. Okay. Good. <laughs> Because I really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, for me, it's the middle of the afternoon. It's actually usually, you know, it's about three. It's usually the end of my day uh, as I get up early and start working in early as well. So thank you again for for two mornings of getting up and spending some time with me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Your story is amazing and inspiring. And uh, I, I know you do great work. So, yeah, thanks again for coming on. It's been great. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks, Eric. Ladies and gentlemen, Paul Higgins. Hey, everybody. This is your host, Eric Malzone. Don't leave yet. I have a few more requests for you. So if you got value out of this podcast, I ask you to do a few things. Number one, go to wherever you're listening, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and go ahead and subscribe to the show. Number two, while you're there, if you feel that we earned it, please leave us a nice review. Number three, share it whether it be social media, email, texting, whatever it may be. I'm sure you know somebody who would get value out of this episode just like you did. So please go ahead and share it. And that's how we get the word out. So it's really valuable and super appreciative. It only takes a minute of your time. Next, if you know of somebody, including yourself, who would be a great guest for the show, please head on over to level5mentors.com, L-E-V-E-L, the number five, mentors.com. Get in touch with me. Let me know what you're thinking. Uh, Make an introduction. Whatever it may be, you can also get me directly in my email, which is eric, E-R-I-C, at level5mentors.com. Lastly, if you just want to chat, you want to find out more, if you want to expand on some ideas, I love hearing from the audience. So go ahead and hit me up on social media. I'm on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. You also have my email already. So I love to hear from you. I'm always looking for ways to improve the show, and I'm always looking to have great conversations. So don't hesitate to reach out. And once again, thank you for listening to the Black Diamond Podcast and you can expect a lot more from us.